0: I mean, look, the Dow is about the worst thing to ever happen in the cryptocurrency space, right? I'd say it's, so. It's a disaster on the scale of the e-gold getting shot down by the US government.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> right?
1: On that scale. Uh,
0: and, you know, this happens because, frankly, and this is on the record, we knew that Stefan Toual was a bad actor. All of us had apprehension from the get-go. We knew Stefan.
2: What made the DAO such a large debacle is that there's not enough assholes in the Ethereum community to call out their their black letter.
3: Precisely. We got a fail to an absolute clown show.
4: My
2: name is Drop List. <laughs> Welcome back to episode fourteen of Unconfirmed Transactions. If you're listening here. You must be a butt coiner. That delicious intro audio comes from the Bitcoin podcast, making an amazing episode where they interview Vinay Gupta about Ethereum. And as you can tell, he is extremely bearish on Ethereum. Uh, I've been goopting lately and just checking out all the videos and audio he makes. He has some real squirrely ideas uh, you know, one of them being that nobody said anything about Stephen Tuol being a bad actor, even though everyone knew, uh, I put up some tweets in May right at Stephen Tuol. I don't know him personally. I hit him up in May, uh, but with all these obvious things in his background that were shady, like he ran a company for a web hosting company and he just like walked away cause there wasn't enough money there, but he left like thousands of customers in the dust. Trying to find out like where their ho- websites were hosted, and the um, the upstream provider had to like come in and save <laughs> the whole thing, and that's like on his LinkedIn. It's uh, you know like I appreciate Vinod Gupta like exiting in such a like fuck y'all y'all are fourteen year olds. He calls pe- he calls the people involved in Ethereum fourteen year olds several times. It's so funny. You have to check out thebitcoinpodcast.com, dot com. recent episode. I'll link to in the show notes. I did not use that audio with permission, so if that's a problem, sorry very much. But like, I can take it down. Maybe I won't. You know. Hopefully, it's not an issue. Okie dokie. But holy shit, you gotta. He's just so negative on Ethereum. He's like, uh, we've. Proved by governments exist, the governments exist to like, you know, solve problems like the DAO, uh, the dream of like the code that just runs, you don't have to like, don't have to worry about it, that's like, that dream is dead, the dream of like the decentralized, unstoppable computing, that dream is dead, and people like Vitalik at the helm are idiots who are conflict adverse and brought this upon themselves. He drops so much shit on top of them, but at the same time, kind of fuck you for like only when you're out the door saying all this shit. Like it's been very obvious to Bitcoin maximalists that this is the case. But I mean, I you know welcome back to you know our reality for the past year. Um, all right, woo. We have some call-ins today. I'm going to do another... I love this. I do appreciate the phone calls. I have four phone calls for us today. That is a doubling over our last episode. Maybe we can keep doubling from there. You know what? It's not a doubling. It's actually three to four. four. Hmm. I forgot about um, some of the phone calls. uh, The the weird Dave phone call. But yeah. Let's just like... uh, start with a, a, a new caller this is Christian let's see what he has to say
3: hey Dan, what's going on I thought I had to send you a message while I'm driving so there's extra road noise uh, to make it your podcast even crappier than it already is um, I was thinking the, the other day about scams and how like, pretty much every altcoin or every Bitcoin scam, it's kind of patterns like multi-level marketing and how people just really want to believe that that there's this way that they're going to, like, there's this, this thing that is keeping them from being rich, and if they just recruit enough friends. Uh, we're all going to get rich together. And kind of this whole group thing, and I just, you know, multi level marketing is really popular. Um, and so I was watching the, kind of the Steemit stuff. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put this together with Steemit and Dashcoin. Wait, Dash, right? No. Yeah, we can call it Dashcoin. Um, and how, when people want to believe something and they're willing to take money for it, they believe it so much more. So, instead of looking at the reality of life and how life works, anyway, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, this is the part, Dan, where you get to make fun of me for not starting my own podcast and scamming myself into making a podcast. Um, I'll let you uh, take it from here.
2: Thank you, Christian, for your phone call, first-time caller, long-time listener. Thank you for complimenting the quality of the podcast. I appreciate that. And reconfirming for everyone that if it's a scam, people do want to be scammed more. And I think on that, maybe what you should ponder on your own self is, you know, how is Bitcoin different from what you just described there in terms of like MLM Ponzi scheme? You know, how is Bitcoin different and why? And I just feel like there are many people who believe that if it pays, it plays, um, kind of like um, might makes right, but for money. And essentially, like you know, if I got paid, like don't doesn't matter, if I got paid, uh, like doesn't matter, if I got laid, doesn't matter, if I got paid. There are people are very willing to overlook a number of things because they've made money, and we live in a culture where if you've made money you have done something correctly. Um, And that's like enough thought that they can, you know, enough thought has been put into that for them at that point. Like, I did it right. I made money. Um, And then a lot of people believe, like, if they're not making money, they've done something wrong. That's sort of the um, morality of our culture. So it makes a lot of sense that when people make money, um, even though it might be from a scam, they are, you know, pretty easily convinced that either it's not a scam or like they're not scamming or you know like they're willing to look past you know the deeper questions because they can look at the bottom line thank you very much for your phone call and at the very end there you included um so christian promised me several months ago that he was going to start up his own podcast because christian was a podcaster um well before iTunes I think even I think he was podcasting before there was a uh, iPods if I remember correctly maybe I got that wrong but he had podcasts in the, in the past and since I lowered the bar he was thinking about podcasting again promised me he would and then he didn't so what you can do to repent is say three Hail Satoshis and continue calling in to Unconfirmed Transactions at 1888 Okay, Coins. Thank you for your call, Christian. Next up, we have Stoicism back again, the asynchronous co-host of Unconfirmed Transactions, continuing the obscene discussion of dark net markets on our show. Let's hear it. What do you have to say, Stoicism?
0: Hey, Okay, Coins. What's up? It's Stoicism again. Um, Just heard the first episode uh, great episode, really liked all the call-ins that we got, Uh or that you got, rather. Um, you know, uh I hope to see some more stuff, especially some of the weird people in the coin dojo. Uh, I'm thinking people like Yance. Uh You know, I want to see, like, some really weird call-ins. Uh, I really love the idea of the asynchronous call-in show Uh because it really works for my lifestyle, which involves a lot of, you know, Going around smoking weed in, in weird places, um, which is not conducive to the blab style of call and show, which 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 uh, Bitcoin Uncensored is doing. Although that's very cool as well, um, and I hope to participate in that at some point.
2: I'm gonna have to chop up your audio, Stoicism, because you leave such fucking long, dense messages. But yeah, I, I also enjoyed the you know the the, the first round of phone calls. Uh, it's always hard to be the first uh, early adopters in anything. So I appreciate the enthusiasm from the early callers and the lead on from in this episode here is there's more call- more and new callers. So that's great. And I'm looking at all you fuckers in the coin dojo who think you're too good to call an 888 number. It's not a sex line. It's a fine line. A
0: couple of questions I wanted to ask you this week. First off, uh, it hasn't gotten talked about enough, I don't think, of reputation for DropZone. Um, so this is the, this is the endeavor that the Bitcoin Uncensored guys are trying to do. And they have mentioned on the show at, at certain points that, uh, they need, they've been talking to lawyers about what's legal, what's not legal, uh, about doing this reputation system. I want to know what your thoughts are on this. What, so, you know, dropzone.xchain.io is currently doing stuff like this, and I talked to j, j Dog a little bit um, about what he's doing there, and he said that he is cognizant of, like, maybe a need to censor uh, illegal stuff that shows up on there, which, uh, you know, I don't know, because I...
2: So, yeah, reputation is, is a big issue, and uh, to my knowledge, Brodo, or the project that Chris and John Seth were exploring getting uh, venture capital for, is not moving forward because they could not get funding it's a hard idea to get funded um i think they've also talked about that and j-dog yeah j-dog is running x-chain he has a drop zone explorer there's not a lot of items on drop zone right now that's just reality like it's well under development and for drop for uh For J-Dog, he he already has all the the software for that. Like, the encoding for Drop Zone is, like, identical to Counterparty with just a different flag than Counterparties. So he already had all the system set up to um, make an explorer for that. So for him, it was just, like, a quick project. I think he's free to censor it at will. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't think J-Dog has, like, any business, like, listing um, Drop Zone things on his website. I don't think that's, like, good for his business but he does, it's well within his right to censor it any way he pleases, which gets me to um, an important point I think is not well understood, and I'm still trying to understand it myself, and it gets to reputation also. Drop Zone is really clever in that Drop Zone doesn't require consensus. So Drop Zone is a protocol, and there's a series of messages. There's messages like create seller account or like announce seller account. There's messages like um, create item or announce item. There are messages like invoice, um, where you, as a seller, send an invoice message to a buyer, and then that buyer can make payment to the seller, and that can be tracked or correlated in the blockchain, if you'd like. Not necessarily something you have to even do. There's a review message. So there's all these messages. But what's important to understand is that there isn't some, it's, there's no token to keep track of. There's no, um, there's nothing we really need consensus on in a drop zone system. You actually can have many different um, evaluations of the messages that come to different conclusions about the data set. So that's not how most blockchain protocols and projects work. So Blockstack requires that you have consensus about, like, the domains and who owns what and where they point. Like, we all have to kind of agree on that. That's, that's Blockstack. Or um, Counterparty. It's, in Counterparty, it's very crucial that all the federated nodes are running the same software so they can um, compute the same database and have the same state of the Counterparty assets and where the tokens are um, in relation to the different Bitcoin addresses. That's very crucial. But in drop zone, it's not crucial at all. And that makes it much more uh, flexible and also probably gives it a lot more legs if it can get some traction and usage. So J-Dog can have his own J-Dog uh, display explorer of drop zone, and that might not contain illegal goods. It might just contain legal goods. And that's now a service. The service he provides is the legal seller filter. Now something like Brodo could come come along if they say they did move forward with that and they could do another thing like maybe what they do is they look at the um, the reviews, the invoicing and the payments that happen and do a correlation to decide like these are the sellers with the most volume and the best reviews or maybe the other things that you, you can you can actually choose to like ignore certain messages so like say someone says i'm a seller you can decide that's not a seller that's a scammer and delist them from your explorer um that's fine so i think the cool thing about drop zone is that it doesn't make reputation a major central part of the protocol it it doesn't even try to do it like it has reviews but reviews in themselves like aren't does not reputation make like, you know, there could be fake reviews and there might be some um, proprietary way of determining like, is this a fake review or not? Is this related to the seller and not the buyer? Um, So it doesn't try to solve the the tough reputation problem because reputation is like a network effect essentially. And it's an algorithm or something. Um, It's very specific to, you know, what your needs are. So it's, or like the web of trust concept is applies here. Like people can apply different filters to the, you know, the data set and come to different conclusions. Okay. So that's what I want to say about drop zone and reputation. I don't believe that drop zone requires everyone to come to consensus on the state of drop zone. That's a very, very different concept than most blockchain projects.
0: I want to get involved in doing some sort, of developing some sort of platforms for Zone. I've been thinking about Telegram bot, but you know, I don't want to get in trouble for doing it um, if possible. Um, and the data is hosted on the blockchain, so I'm like, listen, all that my site does, all that my service does, is tell you which blocks to look at, and those blocks themselves end up containing, you know whatever kind of illegal data, or I don't even know if that data is illegal, but is that really illegal just to host a blockchain, or just a pointer to a block? Um, so I'm looking for a safe way uh, to access that blockchain data, you know? Um, it seems to me like it's not illegal just to tell people to go look at block number 247,000 or whatever, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, so I think what applies here, or what is important to realize, is this is exactly the Pirate Bay defense. So torrent hosting websites aren't hosting any data. They're simply pointing you to links to data. They're, sa- they're saying, the data's over here, go get it. And that is, the, that is the torrent website defense. And I don't believe it's stood up well in court to date. Um, I th- I don't know, personally, this is not legal advice, but, like, you know, a list of transaction IDs um, on a page, like, I don't know how, uh, you know, criminal that can be. That's, like, a list of, like, random strings, essentially, on a page. I don't know. I think there is, um, it's probably less risky to just point people to transaction IDs and even less so risky to just point people to block IDs, and then they might have the software or whatever on top of that. But if people have the software to to understand like what to do with that block or that transaction ID, they probably don't need your service to begin with if that's what you want to provide. I think that might be a very early um, tool in the tool set of Drop Zone, and I encourage you trying to find any way to um, push that thing that project forward But pushing that project forward is incredibly risk-like rich. It's rich with risks. So, um, you know, think about what you're doing and, you know, take a trip to Asia if you have to.
1: After all is said and done, build a new route to China if they'll have you. Who will survive in America? Who will survive in America? Who will survive in America? Who will survive in America?
0: Uh, second thing, drone zone. Somebody mentioned this in the drop zone Slack channel, but having drones deliver these things, is this the next big thing for darknet markets, is to have drones being dropping drugs off in people's locations? Um, I know that Amazon is trying to do something like that or is trying to start some experiments, but um, do you think that this will provide any efficiency or is it just uh, pure science fiction?
2: Yeah, I think drone zone is an interesting idea. I think drones are incredibly like auspicious, so um and probably pretty trackable. Um, depends on what kind of surveillance is in, at play. Um like you know, the federal government has access to satellite data that's a lot different than Google Maps, is my understanding. Um I think there are probably certain technologies that would prevent the drone zone idea from being uh, feasible at this time. I think if we have more drones and drones are more usual and um, we have like a USPS and Amazon, like, and there's like a lot of drones and it's not unusual for a drone to be carrying a package, then yes. Um, But along the same lines, check this out. I think what's more realistic is in New York City, there's like the, there's delivery weed. And so um, there's you'll get like a phone number you'll find from somebody and you'll just call up and be like, I want delivery. And then you give them your address and then like two hours later, some like hippie shows up on a bike to sell you like really expensive weed. Um, I think I could see Drop Zone being facilitated, facilitating this kind of activity. Because um, what, what would be nice about Doing that, if you were a um, you know running such a system, is that for one you could have like a dispatcher um, running this um, system. So like drop zone orders come in, and they dispatch, and the, and um, like you get your money up front, and you know like wherever you're going to deliver, um, you know that you've already received payment. So you you're gonna like stop like a lot of um, there's some risk that you kind of take off the table there. And beyond that, what's interesting is about about it is like you could also have a system without a dispatcher there. Like, let's say Drop Zone is advanced enough such that there's apps on your phone. Like, you can have a jailbroken phone in a Drop Zone app, and you can be ch- chatting with um, you know buyers, and they can just hit you with the address and um, payment, and you show up, and the money is now, so like, when you're, I mean, I assume, when you're selling drugs, ideally, the drugs and the money aren't in the same place, so that could be inefficiency there, I think, I again, I think these things are very, um, extremely early, but I could definitely see, before drone zone, I could just see, like, delivery services um, utilizing a system like that, potentially. Um because it would be a, if they did it like and it was used like they would get a lot of like reviews there'd be a um you know the g p s coordinate would be useful there because it wouldn't be like an address necessarily um, you could meet people not just like at their houses but like at the park um, there's a lot of interesting aspects there to think about
0: uh similarly assassination markets are they real or is it just pure bullshit uh in that book the dark net he he says that it's just pure bullshit there's no nothing real has happened on any of these things but it seems to me like you know um i don't know it's fucked up but hey man um you know if there's <laughs> if there's a market for it i mean fuck right um so i'm thinking what are the next innovations for 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 bitcoin what are the next big things that are going to the next big killer apps on Bitcoin, the next innovations for darknet markets. I'm wondering if you could talk about that for a little bit. And what are we going to see, start seeing next for Bitcoin? Like, all right, is it all just drugs, backpage stuff like that? Like, what's up next? You know, if it's not permission ledgers and it's not any of this other bullshit, those, those are scams in and of themselves, right? So is Bitcoin just going to be more scams, more drugs, um, or is there going to be some new thing that develops? So... Um, I've rambled enough.
2: Thanks a lot, man. Peace. Hey, so I, I haven't read the book you mentioned, but um, I have seen several people say that assassination markets and the dark net markets are like not a thing. And I think that's correct. Uh, I also think they play it up a little bit too much to like kind of do this whole, um, it's like, I don't know, some experting signal. I think they do, but it's, Also, hard for them to know if that's even like if they're correct or not. Like, that's it's a a, it's probably true that like there are not assassination markets, but it's also hard to evaluate that. Um, I think people have definitely been paid in Bitcoin to do violent crimes, I think that's pretty much assured. Um, I don't like there's no market per se, but if there were to be a market, it would be probably like Augur if that ever launches it it would that'll, that's likely to be, you know. I almost can guarantee you that people will be betting on, you know, death days there instead of birthdays, death days. Um there actually are some fun like not bitcoin blockchain or real money sites, but there were people kind of like guess when people will die, mostly celebrities. Um what else did you ask? Oh, like, what's, like, the killer app? Like, it's kind of hilarious that you mentioned the killer app after us asking about assassination markets. I don't know what the killer app of Bitcoin is going to be. I think, I think it's Bitcoin itself. I think the, that it's programmable capital is, you know, the feature. That's it. That's the thing. And markets, you know, will either grow around it or it will insert itself into markets. So you either have new markets that will, it will facilitate... Or it will enter old markets if it is an efficiency. But it's largely the fact that it's programmable capital. That is the major feature for sure, I think. Um, but in terms of like what's next for Bitcoin, I don't know. What's next for the internet? I don't know. Good luck. No oracles. That's rule number three, bro. Thanks for calling. Calling again. Got to keep the show moving, though. We got other callers. This next question comes from Bitcoin Errolog. He just actually sent this in like half an hour ago while I was editing this, so it might have been more reasonable to put it earlier in the show because it was related to the intro, but I'll put it in here now because I just got it. Um, Let's hear it.
3: Hey, man, this is Bitcoin Errolog. What I want to know is, you know, if you consider what happened with Ethereum and the
2: Ethereum Classic debacle, do hard forks even exist? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I guess what I would say is, under that, that question makes me kind of assume what you mean, oh, well, I don't know what you mean necessarily, but I would agree if what you mean is there are successful hard forks, which aren't at all forks, they're just like upgrades, and everyone upgrades, and it's smooth, and and then there's like hard forks, which is Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. Ethereum and Ethereum Classic is a hard fork, because it's like a fork in the road, and like going forward after that, there are, you know, different, different roads to go down creating the fork. Um, if there were to be a successful hard fork, it wouldn't look like a fork at all. It would just look like a step up or an upgrade. Um, so if that's what you mean, yeah, I agree, but I I don't know. It's hard to say like, who knows? Sorry. Uh, if that's not detailed enough, but thank you for calling Bitcoin error log first time caller. Hopefully you call back again. Love to hear from you soon. Now, I have a real treat. Someone by the name of Michael Johnson called in to give us the story of the Knights Templar. And it's a real treat because, you know, I've been a member of the Illuminati for so long now that I have, you know, often I forget the the lore of the Illuminati, the Freemasons, and just, like, our humble beginnings in King Solomon's Temple. So, let's hear it. Thank you so much for the call-in, Michael. This is some... You know, I didn't fact-check any of this, but I did, like, Wikipedia briefly, like, some of this checks out. Um, I wonder what they found in King Solomon's Temple. Although, I did read that King Solomon's Temple was, you know, destroyed before these events, but... Let's hear it.
5: Hey, Drop Lister. This is not necessarily a Bitcoin question, but it is a story about what I think is the first decentralized banking system that used an encrypted alphabetic cipher to uh, communicate about deposits and balances and allow people to withdraw money on the road. So it starts off in the year on or around 1120, the Knights Templar on the Holy Crusade to secure the Holy Land, Jerusalem. And this story is told in um, King Arthur and the Search for the Holy Grail. They're out there looking for the Holy Grail, exploring and fighting the Muslims. And even today, you can see their efforts in the buildings they constructed around uh, Solomon's Temple and throughout Jerusalem and, and you know, in Syria as they're out exploring. But under um, Solomon's Temple, they obviously found something. because so the records show, they left the area kind of abruptly, and they went from being... Um, Like an order of knights that were just poor and devout, swearing off all their wealth. Their icon is two knights on one horse because they couldn't afford two horses. And they quickly, somewhere after suddenly leaving Solomon's Temple, became the first multinational banking organization where you could leave, you know, you could be in England, needing to go out on the Crusades, um, you would put the lead or deed the, the to your house and all your gold or whatever you wanted into the bank. They would give you a letter that had a, a cipher on it. You could take that anywhere along the road. And this was important because there was, there was uh, muggers all the way around. People got killed and robbed the whole way down. Lots of people died on this during the Crusades. And so you wouldn't want to hold wealth. You'd want to go and get a little bit all the way down. And they also had a holy decree from the Pope that if you were there and you died on the route, your sins were absolved, and you just went straight to heaven. And um, in order to encourage people to go fight in the Crusades, any wealth you acquired along your route of great pillage plunder all the way down to Jerusalem, you could keep that, and um, that was yours, and if you died, sins absolved, go to heaven, so you can make deposits on the way also, and it was all updated on your little cipher, what was probably the first paper wallet. So um, this goes on for about two hundred years. Their power of the Knights Templar grew, and their wealth only was rivaled, actually, they beat both Pope Clementine the Fourth and King Philip the Fourth. And these guys, um, you know, grew in power, yada yada yada. They were killed on Friday well, okay, so they were all killed on Friday the thirteenth, thirteen oh seven, but in a very organized manner where King the King and the Pope got all their men together and on sunrise they went, um, medieval on medieval on them. They uh arrested them, tortured them until they confessed their sins, like the Spanish Inquisition, took all of their wealth, and killed them all. So, uh, the interesting thing is the banking part, the decentralized nature of uh, anywhere throughout Europe, where they had like 800 castles, which became the banking centers. You could keep this paper... And go get money, and they kept all of their own records. I don't know anything about that part, how they, you know, how to prevent a double spend. But that's that's that story.
2: All right, thanks again, Michael. Uh, that's going to be the show. I just wanted to hit all the calls and just put it out and keep it going. If you'd like to be on the next unconfirmed transactions. Call one eight okay coins and leave a message. It's a simple voicemail. I believe it allows up to 10 minutes of audio if you'd like. If you need more than 10 minutes because you are a true psycho, that's fine. Call back. It's toll free. And that will be it. Appreciate y'all. Have a nice day. Keep it real. Blockchain on. Double double double, double dot com. and I I couldn't think of anything else on the out Bye bye.
1: Last but not least, the Harriet Tubman sex tape. Who's seen it? The Harriet Tubman sex
4: tape, put out by your man
1: Russell Simmons.
4: Excuse me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I ain't coming to play, this is real. Russell Simmons put out the Harriet Tubman sex, sex tape. Russell Simmons said this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And it stayed online until the NAACP and a few other people said something about it. Let me tell you something, man. When these kind of Negroes surface, and they do stuff like this, it should be nowhere in the country that he should be safe. Right. Nowhere in the country. Right. Wait a minute, don't applaud. If the asshole go to jail, you shouldn't even be safe there. Are you following me? Right. But they're gonna keep doing this until you get real and get serious.
4: That's
1: right. Harriet Tubman sex tape. Come on, man. Harriet Tubman said if she she freed thousands of slaves, she would have freed thousands more. They only knew they were slaves. But this idiot in 2013 put out the Harriet Tubman sex tape, and nobody's saying anything. I wish the minister would have gave the order, man. I'm I'm serious. Didn't nobody have to know? It says Kanye West responds to uh, the Illuminati accusation. This is very critical. Even when he tries to break free of that third dimensional paradigm by wearing her room, they still won't let him out. They pull him back. Well, how did they pull him back? Did not Elijah Muhammad say that the last trick that the devil would use to sin up his white woman? Yes. And they got Kanye West. Got him. Right. I just want to say to Kanye that's that right, Cameroon... Mm-hmm. That's right. Bruh, as hard as I try to find a decent woman, how do you end up? No, not with a white woman, with the whore that everybody don't slept with. Are you following me? No, come on, y'all. Talk to me. And I want Kanye West to see this. Could you put this up on YouTube? Kanye, I know some fine women to do. you better call me. I'm just saying, bruh. You understand what I'm saying? Even if I was to go out with somebody that somebody else dated, it would not be that, bruh. Trust me.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you crazy? <laughs> Black guy said he's straight. Ain't fuck with me. They're showing these phallic symbols, and this is the stuff that they hide in the cartoons on a subliminal level. See it here? Yes. All right, you're right. Sexual perversion, but what they want to do is sexualize the young ones at an early yeah. age. Yeah. And that stuff lays at the subconscious level. So all they need to do now is put the right frequency in the song to activate it. And you are see these sexual images. These what they're hiding in the cartoons. So but while you're doing your thing, you tell your children to go sit down and watch TV, and they pull this kind of madness up. It is the kind of stuff that hides in the subconscious mind. Alright? The right phrasing is all a coincidence, right? Absolutely not. All right, we, need, we are all victims of their evil conditioning, and this is very, very real. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to sexualize the young ones at a very early, early age, and activate the child sexuality at an early age. Let's see what they hear what they got
2: to say. The origins of psychological warfare uh, were in Nazi Germany, and in Nazi ideology, they had something that was called Weltanschauung, which means worldview warfare. The idea for them was imposing the Nazi worldview on the countries that they had occupied. The Americans picked up this idea, created an American version of it, and called that psychological warfare.
1: My question is, hell, you start off with a damn penis and some testicles and you end up with a damn teddy bear.
4: <laughs> this is the thing
1: that, listen, these people are so demonic and evil. They're attacking you and attacking us on a psychic level, or on levels that we cannot even imagine. Hide this stuff in the cartoons. And you think it's innocent. You think it's pastime for your children, but they're attacking the children on the... Bypassing you now. And then you not knowing. You can't come behind this madness to explain this to your child. Once again, you start off with a penis and some testicles, and I don't know what he's about to make. This is critical. We have to understand the nature of the beast that we're dealing with. All right? Booker T. Coleman and DVD Hidden Colors said the pictures worth a thousand words, but signs and symbols are worth a thousand pitches, And we need to understand that it's very real. So here we have Jessica Rabbit showing you heaven. All right? This is critical, man. And this is how these people come at us. <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking about Disney world and the rest of them places, man. Because you know the Disney family is part of the 13 families of the Illuminati, right or wrong? Yeah. And we need to keep that in mind. But it gets critical. I'm got to move real quick because we don't have a lot of time. But you're talking about the demonic influences in music. Is everything that's associated with the music. Now, this becomes your reality. Where's Black Dot Black Dot talked about the whole idea of fantasy. We have to look into these things. All right, these subliminal messages that they kind of lay out in case some of y'all don't get the actual white a little bit later on all right yeah. <laughs> he didn't teach the African origin of Freemasonry but nonetheless i crazy laid it out they take outside our symbols and they use it for subversive purposes as you can see here on the dollar bill all right and this is very real mm-hmm. see this is what uh, Kanye West was trying to um, uh, activate in itself by wearing the Heru, but they wouldn't allow it. they locked them right back into that frequency. Even the dollar bill, the logo for the dollar bill is the worship of ISIS. because you see the IS in the logo right around? Come on now, on the back of the dollar bill, newest coeptus, novus auto succum, announcing the birth of the new world order. And inside of the words is the star of David and it's spelled um, Mason. Not only as, deeper than that, it spells out the, uh, the ancient order of the noble mystic shrines. Because they quoted the money like they quoted the Bible. Yes, they did. They said money talks and bullshit runs a marathon. Here it go. <laughs> e unum, one out of many. One what out of many? Now listen, brothers and sisters. If you are seriously still trusting your mouth and your stomach, all right? to Murder King and Pizza Slut and Taco Hell and Long John Killers and Dairy Queer and the rest of these people, shame on you man, shame on you for real, you can go somewhere to get some good food, trust me you can, seriously, you are what you eat, you know about the fluoride in the toothpaste and you know about the fluoride in the water, alright? I still see conscious people brushing their teeth with Crest and Colgate and AIM. Yes you do. If you can't afford toothpaste, just get a cheap bag of baking soda. That's all. You good.
4: Thank you. I gotta, I gotta find some place.
1: Sun kids, let's look into things instead of at things. We talk about the demonic influences in the music. All the listen records and CDs don't sell no one. We know that, right? So what they do is make the music and they and they base the sales on the ancillary properties. So they got to take right. the music and attach it to a product. Exactly. So if the music comes out and they're doing nothing with it, they'll go pick a song and attach it to SunKiss. And you're not looking in it and you're looking at it, you'll think it says SunKiss and it don't and it actually says S I N K I S T. SunKiss. So you following me? So on a subconscious level, this sin kiss is sitting there. And like I said, the right song will trigger the right vibration and it'll activate that. So
4: if you drink something.
1: No, we're not talking about physically drinking anything. We're talking about on a psychological level. It's a psychological covert war. All right? This is a war that's for your mind and your soul. So you can drink some sin kiss, whatever. But I don't want you to think it's sun kiss, are you following me? And then there's a reason why they put it's in the orange can, then with your lower energy center.
4: Right.
1: It's on a psychological, psychic level. This is a lot deeper than what y'all think it is, trust me. Look in it instead of to feel the curves. So the bottle the shit like a woman, we know that. But can you see the man having oral sex in ice cube? See, but you got a well-trained, developed, mature mind. But the little ones don't. And that sits in the subconscious mind. So now what happens? The song comes on the radio, and the little ones hear it, and it activates it. And they're on their knees, hitting off some little dude, seven years old, in kindergarten somewhere. Are you following me? Laid by the best DJ flooring company. You turn the ad upside down, she's fingering herself. (laughs) No, y'all didn't see that. Talking about the, the diabolical ones, man. I'm talking about some demons. Yeah? Talking about some blood suckers of the poor, man. Are you following me? Sucking the people's blood. That's right. You two stacked the two Pepsi cans that spelled sex. S-E-X. S E X just by stacking the cans what evil idiot came up with this one you go to the store and you open up and you're looking for the drink and you see the cans stacked on top of one another but your two physical eyes don't see it but the third eye picks it up and stores it away so it's there in the subconscious mind now what happens you see the pepsi candle like i said the song comes on and it triggers it and you're in there so you popping molly in the pepsi throwing it back and you're ready The Lion King, the face of the Lion King, actually a naked woman. If you really look. Oh, wow. They're after your children on a subconscious level. But we need to understand this. a massive, massive... We don't have time for that. I want to oh. end this. Hold on, no, no, no. I want to end this by talking about your man, Barack Obama.
4: No.
1: <laughs> um, it's one of these kind of situations where he's locked into something that he... Yeah, did you see his hair? The dude is turning, I mean, his whole head turning white. That's stress, man. I'm serious. But he's up in the space where he can't get out of. He has to adhere to the multinational corporations that's feeding him the agenda. All right? Once again, the alphabet boys I work, IRS, NSA, and these other alphabet boys I work on a daily and consistent basis. Now the entire... Uh, world and the globe is mad at, mad at them because they caught the NSA spying and snooping on other leaders and as Black Dot said earlier. You remember the sister from the group Black, Lisa Left Eye's group? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she got murdered, not murdered, but she got hit last year sometime. Crossing a four-lane highway on her phone, looking down at the phone. Wow. Car knocked her 50 feet in the air down the block somewhere because she was doing this number right here. I see people in the same room texting one another.
4: This is crazy. Let's take a taste test real
1: quick. How many people in the room can raise your hand? You remember three three numbers, three telephone numbers.
4: Are you <laughs> what is your mama number, your number, your girlfriend's number? Oh, come on.